0: where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard.
1: state of fear podcast this is episode three my name is chris and as always with me is james greetings so today we are going to cover the great state of arizona in all of its heat heat (laughs) and hot glory um but today's uh topic is a is actually one of the more famous ones uh it's had a movie made about it um there's a couple of documentaries made about it um and um What makes it so famous is that there was actual police involvement in it, and some of the witnesses later went on to become
0: suspects. Yeah, and I find that rather odd. Yeah, so today we're talking about
1: the Travis Walton abduction. He was abducted on November 5th, 1975, while working at the Apache-Sitgreaves National Forest near Snowflake,
0: Arizona. I used to live in Arizona. Snowflake in Arizona. Yeah, I lived um you, you can you literally can't get any more opposite. No. yes, I lived there for a couple of years myself and the first time I ever got out of the car, out of the van with my family, I felt like I'd stepped into a large hair dryer on high yeah. heat. Oh yeah. I like, was like, "Good lord." And it's a dry heat too. So, yes. yeah,
1: uh Arizona is a very hot place. It's a gorgeous place, though. It's uh it's very very hot. I used to live in uh Holbrook, which was actually not too far from Snowflake. Yes, but I lived there in the 90s long after he had his uh, his abduction. So again what, what like like we said before, what makes his case so unique was that uh, it happened after a day of logging with some co-workers and after he disappeared, the co-workers who were witnesses became wit- um, suspects because they believed that they had murdered him and left him out in the woods.
0: Yeah, and at the time I could see how they might pull that out of their rear ends because of the fact that, yeah, you're going to tell somebody, well, this bright light, and all of a sudden he was gone, and this, that, and right. the other, you know. Okay. Yeah, they're going to think they're fucking
1: crazy. Yeah, I mean, they're going to think you made up whatever story you can make up to get away with murdering somebody and leaving their body in the forest, for sure.
0: Yep, and we will tell people this uh, This episode was made famous by the movie, the 1993 film Fire in the Sky. Yeah. and Which I... is actually a very good movie. It is good,
1: uh one notable thing about that is um you know the the people who have seen that movie who remember that movie rem- remember it for the say, the scene towards the end, which is when he has a flashback of him being abducted, yeah, because that is a truly terrifying scene the entire the entire bit is just terrifying, everything they do to him, yes, and that's a scene that everybody remembers when they've seen the movie,
0: of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. It's things of nightmares.
1: I and of, of course, that would be the one part of the movie that was totally false. Yep. So, everything else that happened in the movie was pretty accurate. I mean, of course, liberty's taken. Um, you know, uh, things that happened, happened out of order just to make the movie flow better. Um, but everything else happened as it supposedly actually happened. Except for the uh, actual abduction none of that shit actually happened according to travis walton when he uh, after he wrote his book and told his story but of course hollywood's going to
0: oh em- they're going to embellish oh yeah they have to they got to sell this thing i mean it's like yeah the story it's itself is intriguing enough but why not just scare the living shit out of people yeah by by producing this crazy scene of him being pinned down and forcibly pierced and things yeah.
1: shoved in his eye and Yeah, it's truly, truly terrifying.
0: And I will add real quick, before we go any further, how do we know this? Not only is it documented, not only has he written about the uh, embellishments, we have actually both had the privilege of meeting this gentleman uh, at a past uh, paranormal event. Mm -hmm. And hell of a nice guy. He's on the level, he's not hokey, he's not crazy, and he's really, he's not out to make a book. He's just out there trying to tell a story. Yeah,
1: and he, he's told the same story uh, consistently since 75. I mean, he has not embellished or changed one bit of it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, unless you've read his book or you've seen his interviews, you know, the only thing you're going
0: to know about is what you've seen in the movie, which
1: is, again, it's a good movie.
0: It's a fantastic movie. I loved it. Yeah. I've got a friend who can't stand it, and the very thought of the movie makes him cringe. (laughs) Yeah. Which is
1: funny, because he's scared of the part that didn't actually happen.
0: Exactly. But then again, Hollywood did
1: their job. But I do... It's so funny. I had a friend a long time ago who was actually scared shitless of E.T. 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 Steven Spielberg's E.T., the extraterrestrial the cute little thing he, he it frightened the hell out of him
0: good lord
1: yeah and this was a grown adult mind you okay so <laughs> oh jeez i guess it just takes you know all kinds to be afraid I of all so. kinds of different uh different alien beings so Well, before we get into the depth of the story, why don't we go ahead... Uh, James, do you have a weird news article of the day?
0: I always have a weird news article of the Wonderful. day, Chris. All right. I I mean, come what, on, what man. What we
1: got going on today?
0: All right. Today's story is dated October 8th of 2019. Fairly recent. Um, it is entitled, Not One Drop of Blood, Cattle Mu- Mysteriously Mutilated in Oregon. And... I have seen stories of cattle mutilation for decades and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it it's always fascinating how these particular things happen, especially when we're talking about the whole UFO. So this kind of comes into play and this was actually unintentional. When I picked my story, I didn't know what story you were running with for the podcast this week. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. it was blind luck, I guess, yeah. because we all know that cattle mutilation is heavily associated with UFOs and stuff oh, like that anyway. Yeah. Okay, well I'm gonna go ahead and read the story here. The crumpled carcass of a bull lies on U.S. Forest Service ground. It was among several killed and mutilated this summer in eastern Oregon. In the early morning light, dust from the hooves creates a fog at Sylvie's Valley Ranch in remote eastern Oregon. Cowboys whistle and talk low to their eager herding dogs. They're moving the cattle from one vast, sage-studded range to another. Five young purebred bulls mysteriously showed up dead. I always laugh at this. They show up dead.
1: (laughs) They say showed up at all, right?
0: Found dead would be more appropriate, but you know what? I didn't write the damn story. I'm just trying (laughs) to read the shit. All right. Five young purebred bulls mysteriously showed up dead on the ranch this past summer, drained of blood and with body parts precisely removed, which remains consistent with many of the stories I've always heard. Right. Yeah. The ranch's vice president, Colby Marshall, drives his truck down a U.S. Forest Service road. Then we'll get out and take a little walk to where one of the bulls was found and the carcass is is still there, Marshall says. Coming upon one of the dead bulls is an eerie scene. The forest is hot and still, apart from a raven's repeating caw. The bull looks like a giant deflated plush toy. It smells. Weirdly, there are no signs of buzzards, coyotes, or other scavengers. His red coat is as shiny as if he were going to be at the fair, but his bloodless, but he's bloodless, and his tongue and genitals have been surgically cut out. Also, in cons- all familiar, yeah. all very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Marshall says these young livestock were just reaching their top value as breeding bulls. The animals are worth around $6,000 each, and since these were breeding bulls, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of future calves were lost as well. Finding these young Herefords in this remote country can sometimes take the ranch's experienced cowboys days. Ranch staff members are now now required to ride in pairs and are encouraged to carry arms. Well, hell! What cowboy don't carry arms? Yeah, you think they would already have them? It's rugged, Marshall says. I mean, this is the frontier. If some person or persons has the ability to take down a two-thousand-pound range bull, you know, it's not inconceivable that they would—they ha- wouldn't have a lot of problems dealing with a hundred and eighty-pound cowboy.
1: Oh well, yeah, definitely not
0: theories abound harney county sheriff deputy dan jenkins has been working the cattle cases and has gotten dozens of calls from all over offering tips and suggestions a lot of people lean toward the aliens it <laughs> sounds so i always content. have to lead that you gotta i gotta throw a little slang into it
1: he always it always sounds so condescending when they say it like that
0: <laughs> them, them damn them,
1: aliens them crazy sounds it's the, say it's, it's the boogers in the yep. sky
0: one caller had told us, look for basically a depression under the carcass because yeah. he said that the, the alien ships will kind of beam the cow up and do whatever they're going to do with it. Then they just drop them from a great height. Dan Jenkins, with the Harney County Sheriff's Office, has been investigating the killings of several cattle on Sylvie's Valley Ranch. Jenkins says the cases have been tough with little evidence and no credible leads. On his whiteboard, he has a running list scrawled in green marker with top theories. What's clear? It isn't bears, wolves, cougars, or poisonous plants. Nor were the animals shot. The FBI won't confirm or deny that it's looking into multiple slaughters. Two years ago and 200 miles south near New Princeton, Oregon, one of the Andes Davies cows was also found cut up and bloodless. She and her husband drove concentric circles around the corpse, but they never found any tracks. And in this dusty country, quote-unquote, everything you do leaves tracks, Davies says. Back in the 1980s, one of Terry Anderson's mother cows was mysteriously killed overnight, standing at his ranch near Pendleton, Oregon. Anderson points to the exact spot where he found her on top of a mountain. He remembers his cow lying dead, her udder removed with something razor sharp, and not one drop of blood anywhere, Anderson says. He's never gotten over it, nor would I. That would be kind of freaky. It's very freaky. I mean, yeah, you raise cattle for what multiple purposes, but to see them just killed like that would uh, disappoint me and hurt me. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you work hard. Right. And you you do actually love the animals, even though you know... Your livelihood. Absolutely. Quoting, It's just just left a really strange feeling with me since that day. You can't explain it, Anderson says. And you know, no one else has been able to explain it. The Harney County Sheriff's Office continues to field calls on the killings. And Sylvie's Valley Ranch has put up a $25,000 reward for information that could solve the case. And I hope you know they get it. Well, they're I not hope.
1: going to. No, nobody's solved the the mystery of cattle mutilations yet. It's been going on for decades. That's now.
0: Cr- that is true. That is very been going true. On for
1: decades and decades. And, and the whole
0: bloodless thing—no eyeballs, no sexual organs, drained of blood—that's very weird.
1: And, you know, and I mean, there's a whole whole lot of theories on why that is. I mean, people skeptics say that well, there's no blood because it's all drained to the ground, and um, that's why you don't see it, but. You you would still see uh, a mark from where the blood drained into the ground.
0: I oh, absolutely. Yeah, you could move the carcass and there would be a blood stain in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Especially it, with a cow, they have like eight gallons of blood in them. They're yeah. huge animals. Mm-hmm.
1: They always seem to take out the exact same organs every time. The um, the sexual organs, the liver. Uh, what else did they say they take out? The the tongue the, they, and they, genitals. Yeah. Tongue and genitals every single time, which is the weirdest parts to take out, and that that is not the parts that predators go for.
0: That is that is very true. They go for the guts. They
1: go for the guts and the, and the, and the throat. Yeah, the softest parts. They
0: go for the throat to kill, and then they usually just eat the guts or the legs. They'll chew on the legs and stuff mm-hmm. like that for the meat.
1: You know what? What um what was it mentioned as a possibility? Which I think for a very short time, I think, uh, in, at least in this, maybe in the seventies, was was um, satanic rituals. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's not uh, doesn't seem to be one of the suspects
0: anymore. Well, see, I don't think a bunch of devil would be running around out on a ranch somewhere, risking the uh, chance of getting capped.
1: Right. I Cause... mean,
0: th- th- trying to
1: sacrifice a two thousand pound two thousand pound cow. Yeah, it's a lot harder than doing a little tiny lamb or a goat or a chicken or something, you know.
0: Well, it's like what are you gonna do? You know, unless you have them all in the area and you have a twenty four hour guard on them. Something's going to happen. Yeah. And obviously whatever is doing this is slick, undetectable. Doesn't leave a trace. Doesn't leave any traces. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a big mystery.
1: Yeah. This has been, I mean, I, I think for me, this has been one of the more fascinating uh, occurrences that have been happening in the world because it's still happening. Um, you know, a lot of people think a lot of maybe, I guess you could say UFO ufologists or um, uh alien theorists believe that the aliens were taking the parts for some sort of experimentation taking the genitals for some sort of uh reproduction experimentation could be but you would kind of you would kind of wonder i mean it's been going on for decades now have have they not finished that project i mean how is it still going on if they're so far advanced how are, how are they still needing you know, and why aren't they taking human
0: reproductive well, organs? Well, maybe, hey, here's a theory, and it may, it it happens to fit the facts loosely, but you never know. What if they're taking the sexual organs and, you know, stuff like that, you know, like the sexual organs, like you said, that what, who says they're not incubating cattle in space and growing them and eating them? Because maybe they like them, who knows? Yeah, I mean that sounds weird, but it's far fetched. But hell, what else? You know.
1: I mean, and my counter to
0: that is why not just take one cow
1: and one bull and, and just... let them
0: do their thing? Yeah, and just create your own. Maybe they don't want to deal with the, ho- the with the with the with the you know the prairie. So,
1: so I, I think where you're going is that they they take the reproductive organs so they can clone the cow's meat without having the whole cow,
0: possibly. So that's just one theory if 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 that is what the purpose is you know to produce a herd on another planet perhaps you know you never know shit
1: So so they're 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 leaving traces of what they do behind in order to create a new herd on their planet when they could just take a whole cow and whole bull <laughs> and not leave any trace <laughs> but What what I'm kind of hearing is that you're saying that they that the alien species have figured out how to get the milk without having to buy the cow which is something we have not figured out how to do yet
0: you know what score
1: yeah okay yeah Them clever clever bastards A little bas- and, and
0: then and, and then they're not even worried about covering the tracks because we can't catch them in the first place because like yeah. i said they this has been happening for decades yeah oh yeah
1: absolutely you know
0: and it's not just there it's all over the place it's, so it's gonna keep going you know like i said unless they nail down some cult that's doing this shit but then, how do they drain the cow like jerky overnight like that?
1: And the Colts are going to need like some sort of a vehicle to do all this. And there's exactly. no tire tracks, no tread no. tracks, no no uh, caterpillar tracks, nothing. Yep. There's nothing. Well, maybe one of these days they'll figure it out. I did, I know it's not cult though, because I think if it was a cult, I think I believe they would have been found out by now. I, this this long into it, because
0: it's very possible unless they actually do know something and they're you know you know that damn government
1: them governments man they
0: always you know
1: always messing with you
0: yeah they're not gonna tell us the truth
1: It's just past six o'clock as Travis Walton and his six fellow log cutters finished off a long day of thinning undergrowth in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. The sun had set and darkness was falling quickly, as it tends to do among the tall pines along the Mogollon Rim. With it, an increasing November chill was coming over the men and they anxiously piled into their truck to head for home. It would be at least an hour before they reached Heber to the north so the men settled into their seats as best they could for the jarring drive up the forest's uneven dirt roads. The smokers in the group hastily lit the first cigarettes they'd had in hours. Walton, one of the only two non-smokers on the crew, sat up front in the passenger seat enjoying the fresh, cool air and watching the pines pass by. Heading up towards Magellan Rim Road, Walton soon noticed something shining among the branches off to the right. The others saw it too, and the chatter from the back seat fell quiet. The spaces between the trees flashed by too quickly to make out what the object was. But a clearing up ahead revealed a yellowish glow that washed across the road in front of them. The driver sped up to get a closer look. When they reached the clearing, the men were astonished by what they saw. Less than 100 feet from the edge of the road, a glowing disc hung in the air, floating motionless between the trees, only 15 feet off the ground. Now you've been out to the woods a lot, right James?
0: I was raised in the woods, brother.
1: What? Well, how would you feel if you were out doing your normal stuff in the woods and you just turn the corner around a tree and come upon a, a giant, giant floating disk, fifteen feet off the air, I would off li- the ground?
0: I would literally shit myself. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? Okay. Now everybody talks smack. Oh, that would be so cool to see. Yes, it would be cool to see at a distance, but if you like ran right up on it. I believe that would be probably one of the most bone-chilling experiences somebody could probably have.
1: And that—that's how you feel right now. It's like if you—if you were a kid when you're growing up and you did that, you'd probably be scared shitless. But right now, knowing, knowing as much as you know and mm-hmm. all the and in paranormal investigations you've gone on, would you still act the same way if you were in the woods in Colorado and you came upon this in the middle of the
0: woods? Floating in the woods, I would probably still observe from a distance, but I would probably want to check it out. <laughs> you know, I would be like, yeah, you know, I want to check it out. But then, you know, them aliens. You probably yeah. want
1: to get your camera out and try to take a picture, maybe. Absolutely. If yeah. I had it with me, yeah. Yeah. If,
0: if I, was... I have a bad habit of traveling when I'm, like, in the woods and yeah. stuff. I don't take my electronics. Oh, I see. like to hike and just go. You'd be one of them
1: crazy crackpots. to be screaming about UFOs. Nobody believe you. Cause Nobody you, believe you because you got, got no, no evidence. Proof. got no evidence. That's right. <laughs> you got to take the camera with you, James. I'm
0: going to tell you what. That's that's everything. That is everything. Because you know, n- nowadays with the way how many all the storytellers and the bullshit artists and stuff out there oh, yeah. who try to just say, oh, I saw this and I saw that. Well, where's your pictures? Well, I didn't have it with me. Well, how do we, you know. It's unfortunately, all, you have to prove it. It's all subjective. Yep. It's, it's all subjective. It's, it's, it's all about what you can prove nowadays. It's no longer... You know, word of mouth. Nobody's going to take you at your word on something like something like that, especially something that extraordinary.
1: I mean, there are some people that do, but um, they also require more evidence. So, like, if you tell them you saw something or you experienced something, they want you to point out where so they can go and run tests and stuff. But then if they don't have any other evidence to back up what you claimed, then they're not going to believe you, of course. Or,
0: or you'll vanish.
1: Yeah, or you'll, yeah, or you'll vanish. If you
0: unfortunately come upon a uh, government experiment of some sort or actual encounter they may very well make you vanish yes probably yeah, yeah men in black lock, lock you up something yeah men in black that is not a far-fetched idea either no it's I'm not. i'm sorry it's not it, I mean, they're out there movie or not but yeah there's there's people out there secret secret level government people probably not even government probably beyond the government might even be aliens yep government could just be a smokescreen. they ain't really running shit
1: The truck slammed to a halt and Walton opened his door to get a better look. There was no sound, save for a startled cry from one of the cutters. My God, it's a flying saucer. As he recounts in his book, Fire in the Sky, Travis Walton then stepped out of the cab and walked towards the object. The others begged him to get back in the truck, but he felt compelled to get a close-up look. He approached the craft cautiously, glancing back to the truck now and then as his friends continued to plead with him. Coming within six feet of the craft, Walton stopped and stared up at its glowing underside. That dude has some major cojones.
0: I'm going to tell you what, yeah. Because to walk up on something like that, yeah, general curiosity would lead you to look. But then again, was he at this point already under some kind of hypnosis?
1: Well, but I've never... So the only time I've ever heard of like some of, of hypnosis or even like um, being in control of a craft is when people are asleep. I've
0: never heard of it when they're awake. Okay so well, maybe, just, that's just theory maybe but then again he, he recounts these things and right these stories you know he, he, he knows what he was doing and normal circumstance you know people have been hypnotized do not remember most or all of what they've done or He
1: also says that he looked uh, back to the truck like a few times. yeah so he was totally conscious what he was doing.
0: Maybe he didn't real. Maybe it just didn't dawn on him it was an actual flying saucer. Maybe he thought it was some kind of other
1: something. I mean, obviously he was definitely on some, under some sort of spell to be so transfixed to actually walk up within six feet of this. Large yeah, and like craft. you
0: said, and I'm surprised you could walk with the size of the balls. You need to walk up on something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he just <laughs> he just walked up like he knew it, like it was somebody on the side of the road that just car broke down. He knew who they were. So he just walked yeah. up to see what's going on. Crazy. Suddenly, the silence along that dark isolated road gave way to what Walton would later describe as the thunderous swell of a turbine engine. That's when a narrow beam of light fired from the bottom of the disc and struck Walton in the chest. It lifted him up, then knocked him to the ground like a thunderbolt. In a panic, the rest of the crew sped away towards the main road, terrified. When the men regained their senses, they returned to the clearing to rescue their friend. Unfortunately, the craft was gone and so was Walton.
0: Damn, he got abducted. Damn. Yep. That's what happens, you leave your friend behind. Way to go, yeah. Take yeah.
1: off and leave him. Well you know what happened, Walton got out of the truck and said, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never, you say, never that. say that. Never say that. Despite a thorough search of the area, they could find no trace of him and were forced to drive home, one crew member short. When they reported what happened, the authorities discounted the men's tale as a ridiculous attempt to cover up a murder and launched an extensive search for Walton's body. They searched for several days and found nothing. Walton reappeared outside Heber five days later and corroborated their story with the addition of what happened aboard the spacecraft. Up to this point, everything that's, that we've discussed has been um, told by the witnesses.
0: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. My dad used to say that. Sure, yeah, it's from Geico. Yeah, whenever I would ask my dad for life advice, he'd sit me down and say, son, 15 minutes could save you 15% or
2: more. And look at me now, a well-adjusted adult with a drawer full of plastic bags I'll never use.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm confused. Was your dad a licensed GEICO agent? Nah, he was just a real good dad. GEICO. 15 minutes could save
2: you 15% or more.
1: Hey there, this is Erica Kelly host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care. Has been told by the police. Has has been told by Walton himself, mm-hmm. and this is how it is in the movie. Yeah. Up to this point, what happens in the movie is, I would probably say, ninety percent accurate to what happened in the actual event. Yes. Here is where we sort of diverge from the Hollywood crap. Yeah. And get down to what what Walton said actually happened versus what Hollywood yeah, says. Yeah, because
0: we're not here to to embell You know, go along with Hollywood bullshit. Right. Walton reported
1: that after approaching UFO near the work site, the last thing he remembered was being struck by the beam of light. When he woke, Walton said he was on a reclined bed, that's comfortable, a bright light shone above him and the air was heavy and wet. He was in pain and had some trouble breathing, but his first thought was that he was in a normal hospital. As his faculties returned, Walton says he realized he was surrounded by three figures, each wearing a sort of orange jumpsuit. Oh, they were convicts.
0: Damn, he was he was in the penitentiary. Either that or has got some clockwork orange shit going
1: oh, on. Oh, not the clockwork orange. Oh, no, it's, it's Alex, huh? Damn. These figures were not human. Walton describes the beings as typical of the so-called grays, which feature in some abduction accounts. Quote, shorter than five feet, and they had bald heads, no hair. Their heads were domed, very large. They looked like fetuses. They had large eyes, enormous eyes, almost all brown, without much white in them. The creepiest thing about them were those eyes. They just stared through me, end quote. Their ears, noses, and mouths, quote, seemed real small, maybe just because their eyes were so huge, end quote. Walton related that he feared for his safety and got to his feet and shouted at the creatures to stay away. He grabbed a glass-like cylinder from a nearby shelf and tried to break its tip to create a makeshift knife, but found the object unbreakable, so instead waved it at the creatures as a weapon. <laughs> Sounds like what I would do. Get back, bitch! It, it sounds almost like a like a comedy when he's trying to break it and he just can't break it. Yeah. The trio of creatures left him in the room. Walton then left the quote unquote exam room via hallway, which led to a spherical room with only a high back chair placed in the center of the room. Though he was afraid there might be someone seated in the chair, Walton says he walked towards it. As he did, lights began to appear in the room. The chair was empty, so Walton says he sat in it. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, look if you're if you're In some weird place, you don't know where it's at, and it looks like a captain's chair. You're going to sit in the captain's chair. Yep. You're going to go full on, pretend you're Captain Kirk in (laughs) in that thing, right?
0: That's pretty crazy, but yeah, probably so. When he did, the
1: room filled with lights, similar to stars projected on a round planetarium ceiling. The chair was equipped on the left arm with a single short thick lever with an oddly shaped molded handle atop some dark brown material. On the right arm, there was an illuminated lime green screen about five inches square with black lines intersected at all angles. When Walton pushed the lever, he reported that the stars rotated around him slowly. When he released the lever, the stars remained in their new position. He decided to stop manipulating the lever since he had no idea what it might do.
0: I mean, he probably just... That's, that that would have been cool, though. Why didn't they include this? because Hollywood. it's like a, as astral projection room or something yeah. or a s what he, do they call it the the uh it's
1: it, it's a what do they call in star trek when they go into warp speed Astral. It's, it's warp speed yeah because he was because in star trek the 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 ship's not moving at warp speed you're moving the space around you yes and that's what he was doing he's moving the space around him which is why the stars moved ah. but see that's not that's not as terrifying as as being attacked and probed and needles stuck in your eye like they have in, in the, in the yeah. film. yeah He left the chair and the stars disappeared. Walton thought he had seen a rectangular outline on the rounded wall, perhaps a door, and he went to look for it. Just then, Walton heard a sound behind him. He turned, expecting more of the short, large-eyed creatures, but was pleasantly surprised to see a tall human figure wearing blue overalls with a glassy helmet. At the time, Walton said he did not realize how odd the man's eyes were, larger than normal and a bright gold color. Walton says he then asked the man a number of questions, but the man only grinned and motioned for Walton to follow him. Walton also said that because of the man's helmet, he thought he might have been unable to hear him. So he followed the man down a hallway, which led to a door and a steep ramp down to a large room Walton described as similar to an aircraft hangar. Walton says he realized he had just left a disc-shaped craft similar to the one he had seen in the forest just before he had been struck by the bluish light. But this craft was perhaps twice as large. In the hangar-like room, Walton reported seeing other disc-shaped craft. The man led him to another room, containing three more humans, a woman and two men, resembling the helmeted man. These people did not wear helmets, so Walton says he began asking questions of them. They responded with the same dull grin and led him by his arm to a small table. So obviously they understand what he was saying. Yep. It's, like, it's like when you go to a different country and people can't understand English, they just smile and nod at you and just say, just <laughs> have a seat, I'll bring you some food. Yep. Once he was seated at the table, Walton says he realized the woman held a device like an oxygen mask, which she placed on his face. Before he could fight back, Walton says he passed out. When he woke again, Walton says he was outside the gas station in Heber, Arizona. One of the disc-shaped craft was hovering just above the highway. After a moment... The craft shot away and Walton stumbled to the telephones and called his brother in law Grant Niff. He thought that only a few hours had passed.
0: Apparently not.
1: Of course we know that it was actually five, five days, days that passed.
0: Five damn days. Unaccounted for. And
1: at that point we you know, again, the movie plays into what actually happened where the the workers were became suspects in murders and were given lie detector tests. I think Yes. One of them didn't pass, but because he was just a shady character anyway.
0: I, You know what? As a matter of fact, and I think to this day, they have retested them several times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have all passed yeah. several times. The co-workers as well as uh, Travis. I mean, they've all passed these tests.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, and he's, again, he, he stuck to the story since uh, 1975. Of course, as, as you saw, the outcome of his story is not as Climatic as the movie one
0: of course not
1: no it, it's super simple i mean basically what it sounds like to me and and i believe in a uh in a, in a few recent interviews he's actually come to this conclusion as well um he believes and i believe as well that what happened was uh when he was shot with the beam he was injured and the creatures knowing that they injured him brought him on board to repair him Okay, and they repaired him, but then he woke up, of course, and he's freaked out. So he's trying to get away, and uh, they didn't approach him; they let him go. And so he goes to this other room, and so while he's in there, he's messing with stuff, and then and they're worried that he's going to end up breaking time and space or whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. breaking the space, the, the time and space continuum. And so they're like, okay, well, he's better. Let's get you know the greys are obviously the workers of these golden eyed humanoid looking figures uh, yeah so That's the human the human was like okay we need to get this man off our ship before he sends us into a whole different dimension and so they take him down into the hangar they knock his ass out
0: knock his ass out <laughs> they drop and the human in-
1: back on earth
0: and the five days could have passed due to the fact some of newton's laws of space right right you know i've thought about that too i was like how could it be five? it could have only been gone for a few hours according to what he thought but because of the way the space I guess the way space works, right? it could be they were at high speed or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, close encounters thing. I mean, it's, the theory's got to come from somewhere, and it makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, there. I mean, there's a... Um, I forget what the name of the uh, formula is called, but there is a formula that states that the faster you go... I think it's the faster you go towards light speed or... or so There, there is a theory that... Or a scientific theory that says that as you travel further away from earth uh you your time changes compared to what's on earth Mm. so you are you could be gone months in space traveling away but when you come back time is different and so you've actually been gone years
0: yeah because it like uh you know just a real quick side note the movie interstellar yeah when they go down to that big quasar that big dark star that they're i mean i was like first of all why the hell would you go to so close to something that damn you know that strong right uh probably technically not actually uh you know not actually possible but the fact that they went down they were gone for an hour and a half or something like that they come back up and 23 years had passed right right yeah and like it's a flash
1: that, it's that it's that whole theory you yeah. just don't know yeah. yeah
0: so now that you've
1: heard his side of it i mean what do you think compared to the the movie version
0: well yes the movie version is scary and entertaining but if you know, we're gonna do this man justice they should have told the story more accurately Uh, because it can also help to damage people's perception of alien life because, you know, if alien life does exist and comes to visit us, the first reaction of people, oh shit, they're going to shove a, a Roto-Rooter down my throat. Right. And, you know, and torture me and all this crap. So what are you going to, first thing you're going to do is you're going to shoot them. Right. You know, and you might start an interstellar incident. Yeah. Far-fetched perhaps, but also possible. I mean, this, this is know. one
1: of the few uh, incidences where, uh, at least from his point of view, where they weren't hostile. I mean, they, yeah. they, they obviously
0: were... Because uh, like you said, you, you're exactly right. In the movie, they were hostile. They are very hostile, yeah. I mean, that, that one looking at... And they weren't the little cute grays. They were the tall brown ones. Yeah. Like the ones well, you saw from signs and so stuff like what that. The
1: movie, what the movie shows, which is, 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 is... I don't know. Anyway, what the movie shows is that they were the greys, but the gray skin with the big black eyes was yeah. a spacesuit that they wore. Huh? They were actually little, little like peach-looking creatures, and because because there's yeah there, there's a scene where he comes across this space this uh, gray alien floating. That's right. He and when sure he does. Turns it around, he sees its empty shell.
0: It's an empty suit. That's So right.
1: th- that's their spacesuit they use when they uh, come to Earth. But there's also a theory that the greys are not actually. Uh, biological beings are more like android robots that just do the bidding of like the the uh, Nor- Nords and the green the golden eyed people and 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 we get to go on a whole different top yeah, tangent here. Yeah, so there's
0: a thousand different theories, and I'm sure later episodes will come upon more that we can explore. So yeah, but I,
1: I think his version of events is still really really cool. it's I mean, very
0: cool, actually. If it, I mean, if it, they're actually a friendly, you know, because if they wanted to kill us, they'd have done it already. Right. And if they have the ability for interstellar travel and other high tech like that, they could, you know, deal us a death blow like that. So I believe if there was alien life out there who wanted to do us harm, they would have done it already. Well, see, I
1: think it's cool because his his version of events is much more anticlimactic. It's, it's very, I mean, I hate to use the word believable or down to earth, but it's much more benign. And so if he wanted to, if he really wanted to, you know, uh, he could... Constantly embellish and add a few things here and there to make it seem more, you know, more exciting, more intriguing. But he's absolutely stuck with the same. I'm not, I don't want to say boring, but the same
0: boring story since 75. Well, that's what I'm saying. And and the fact that he's told the story honestly says, no, this is what happened. I wasn't taken up there and experimented on or whatever, like the movie says. I said, you know, he, he may not know what happened if they had to operate on him or fix him or whatever. Because if they blasted him, it may not have been them shooting him. It could have been, you know, like a thruster or something. Right. You, you never know what it was. Probably what you it never was. know. Yeah. They're just trying to move around. They hit him and then realize that they hurt him, so they went back and got him, fixed him up, and then turned him loose. Right,
1: exactly, exactly. And the
0: fact that he has passed tests over several decades as technology has advanced in lie detection. Right, yeah. You know, it's way advanced.
1: Yeah, oh uh, yeah.
0: You know, so I applaud the man for sticking to his guns and not embellishing and not trying to quote unquote, get rich. He's just trying to tell a story. Yeah. Did he make a book? He sold a book. Sure. But you know what? He, he came about it honestly. And for that, I respect the hell out of him.
1: Yeah. So my, you know. my hat's off to him too. All right, guys, that's going to end it for this episode. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Heck, um, yeah.
0: Great subject.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you guys, uh, be careful out there, watch the skies. And, uh, if you see anything glowing in the woods, I say go after it. What do you say, James?
0: I say go check it out.
1: That's right. And say
0: hi. Don't shoot it.
1: Yeah, don't shoot it. Be smart. Don't shoot it. Yeah, be smart. Don't don't be, don't be cause no inter- intergalactic incidents. Now you know we're not
0: hosting an intergalactic kegger down here.
1: That's right. Yeah, right? and and don't cause any intergalactic <laughs> wars or whatever. So, but otherwise, until then, guys, uh, I'm Chris and I'm James, and um, take care, guys. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for the personal encounter stories coming up right now.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Chewy, host of Screaming Chewy Show, and um, yeah, if you're wondering what my podcast is about, I don't really have a topic or subject about it. Just talk about random shit like, you know, mysteries, creepy shit like Dateloft Pass, some conspiracies right there, or random shit like when my mom accidentally ate my edibles. <laughs> that was interesting or you know like the history of heavy metal yeah anywho um thank you guys for the opportunity uh to be on your show and um yeah thank you for the opportunity to share my ghost story now i don't know if you guys ever heard of shadow people but apparently they're a thing and i found out when i was like 13 or 14 I lived in this house till I was like nineteen or twenty, and um, didn't happen. I don't exactly remember what age it happened, but it was between those years. And um, I remember one time I was just you know going laying in bed in the dark, just trying to go to sleep, and uh, just looking around my room. You know, it's pretty fucking dark, but on the walls, all over the walls, there's these shadows, right? And I never really paid attention to them till one night. I was just staring at the walls. And I noticed, you know, when your eyes adjust, these shadows, they're shaped a lot like people. Yeah. Tripped me out at first. I'm like, that's kind of weird. That's a weird coincidence. And the more I looked, the more I stared at the wall, the more I realized it was like a whole fucking crowd of people. All over my fucking walls, dude. It tripped me out, and um, I even got out of bed and like straight a walked up to the wall, and yeah, they were there. They're freaking shadows, man. People, and their body movement, their body language was just like people. Like the best way I can explain it was, you know, when you see something at in a distance and you're like, "What the fuck is that?" and you kind of like. Yeah walk you, know, you like take careful steps you know you move your head left and right a little bit like trying to squint your eyes trying to make out what it is like what the fuck you know that is that's the best way i can explain it that's what some of them were doing although other, other shadows were just standing there and they're all different shapes and sizes like you know like and a full-grown adult to kids like and this this was years years man, and um yeah you know there was a window in my room and it had blinds they were pretty dark but a little bit of streaks of the streetlight would go in, and I thought maybe there's a tree outside and it's making these weird shadows right, and dude I would, I drove myself crazy. Like, during the day, I would even go outside in my front yard. And I'm like, okay, what fucking tree is fucking doing this with angle? You know what I mean? And there was no logical explanation. And I I never really wanted to tell anybody, you know, for the fear of them saying, what the fuck, Do you're fucking crazy, you know? So I just never really told nobody for a while, you know, until you know, I I, I don't know who I told first, I started telling my mom, and, you know, my mom's old school Mexican, so she would get, like, fucking holy water from church, and, like, spray it all over my room and shit, (laughs) and, uh, but one time, so I was in middle school, right, and I had my homies over, and my homie Juan and Frankie, and, you know, we're playing, like, Halo all night and shit, and they spend the night, and, um, Before I turn off the light, I was like, hey, guys, check it out. I'm going to turn off the light and look around the walls. Tell me what you see. You know, I didn't want to suggest anything. I wanted to see what I wanted to know what they saw. Turn off the lights. Wait a couple minutes. I adjust and they're like, what the fuck, dude? Is that fucking people's fucking shadows? They saw exactly what I was seeing. Yeah. Turns out I'm not crazy. Um, I would you e- would even ask each other like, all right, where do you see right there on that side of the wall, or what you know, what shape you know is that a man, is it a kid or what you know, and or what what directions he looking at, what's his head doing, and we would all describe the same exact thing. In fact, my homie Juan got scared. We we're like 13, 14 he fucking called his mom to pick him up. And he went home. Yeah. (laughs) And um, me and my homie Frankie stayed up all night, dude. Just looking at the walls. Just, all right, what's that guy doing? All right, what's that guy doing? He's looking to the left. You know, it was crazy, man. But not just that. It wasn't just the shadows on my walls, you see. There was other things that would happen. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced sleep apnea. Like you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't move and you feel this you feel this fear, or panic. Some people see a shadow or a figure. Well, I saw that too. They were all over me and I couldn't fucking move. Um that would happen a lot. Very frequent. It was very common for me to have sleep apnea. Not sleep apnea. Uh sleep paralysis in that house. Um But ever since I moved out of there, I've never seen shadow people or had sleep paralysis ever again. Now, other things that would happen is, you know, these shadow people, they never really hurt me, but they would fuck with me a lot. Like I had this stereo with, um, you know, speakers all over my room and it was late at night. All right. I was playing Xbox or whatever. And the volume on the TV was low. The stereo was off all of a sudden it turns on and the fucking volume shoots all the way up max scared the fuck out of me dude i turned it off i went to bed all scared yeah other times well one time i woke up because uh i don't know dude I, sometimes i randomly wake up like you know, at the edge of your, let's say you're laying down and somebody sits at the edge of your bed and you could feel the bed sink in a little bit on that side. I would have wake up to that feeling. Yeah. And one time I woke up to that and I saw this like floating doll or I don't know. She was all white glowing at the edge of my bed by my feet. And she was like floating up and I'm like, what the fuck? And I sit up, and I try and, like, touch her. Like, is that real? And my hand just goes through it, she starts fading away. And I immediately grab the remote and turn my TV on. And I just sat there staring at the TV, like, what the fuck did I just see? You know what I mean? Like, weird little random shit like that would happen all the time. Even, I remember one time... It was way later, years later after we moved. I was watching TV with my family. You know, my mom's. And then um, we were watching this show. And it was talking about devil dogs or demon dogs, right? That they're pitch black. And they have these glowing red eyes. And apparently these dogs take you to hell. And my mom, she was like, like she saw a ghost. I'm like, what, mom? that show scare you what's going on and she told me she's like mijo she's like i never i never wanted to tell you i didn't want to scare you but we when we lived on the house the house it was on the street called garcia when we lived on the house on garcia you know the way it was in the hallway my room was right across the hall from my parents room and my mom was going to bed she passed by my room and my door was a little bit open it was pitch black in there but she passed by it caught her attention because she saw these bright red eyes in my room and they were right where my bed is and she freaked out opened the door turned the light on there was nothing there turned the light back off no more red eyes it was gone (laughs) yeah man So, apparently, demon dogs watch me sleep. And, um, I don't know if that's part of the shadow people thing, or... I don't fucking know, man, but... There was just bad energy in that house. It was... A lot of weird shit would happen. Little things would go missing. Like, I remember putting something away, bro. And then I go look for it, it's gone. And I swear, dude, like, weeks later or something, it's fucking back there. Like, in that drawer where I looked, like weird little shit, like, I don't know exactly what these shadow people are, but they're fucking little assholes, dude, (laughs) yeah, so, but, um, it was a little scary, but after a while, I kind of got used to it, I was more curious than anything, and the way these shadows moved on my walls, it looked like they were just as curious as I was, so I don't know if, they're from another dimension or ghost i don't know what the fuck but they're fucking assholes and i'm glad i don't have to deal with them no more <laughs> but hey great show guys and thanks for having me on later